0: Today's podcast is going to be a little shocking. Uh, The investigation continues. I'm joined today with my wife and sweetheart, uh, partner Tracy, and we're going to have quite a podcast today with a bunch of topics that were shocking. We begin our podcast right there.
1: Welcome, all you wonderful dental podcast listeners to the My Practice, My Business Dental Podcast Show, where we help dentists profit and thrive with excerpts from the clinical business of dentistry training here at My Practice, My Business. We'll be addressing and answering questions with current trends dentists and their teams face each and every day in their pursuit of this wonderful career we call dentistry. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice, My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup.
0: Okay, I'm just laughing because Tracy and I, we, we took a week off and uh, went on a long-needed vacation, which all of us really need with uh, COVID and not being able to travel to a lot of the places we go to or normally went to, but we got home, we have been working out in the yard all day yesterday, we're, we're, our allergies have got us, we're sniffling, <laughs> we're, I always do these early in the morning, so I want to thank you, sweetheart, for for uh, being here with me so early
1: Of course, not a problem at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not a problem. That's what she says. I had to drag her out of bed in the morning because we do these at our home. It's kind of fun. Um, Tracy, I'm like, you and I have been having a lot of fun with everything going on. And I just want to start out first by talking about the Hawaii Dental Services. So we were out in uh, Kona, Hawaii, uh, sitting on a beach trying to uh, be ignored by everybody and you know, if you really want to decompress, you just got to go out to Hawaii, take a book, sit under an umbrella on the beach, on, uh, by a pool, and just read and just shut your phone off. Would you agree, Hun? Absolutely.
1: It's- I was going to say, don't bring your laptop, don't bring your phone.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> we, we violated our own uh, rule yeah, there. <laughs> just a little. Well, you know, so we met with a, a representative from one of the uh, major distributors out there. And we started talking with them. I don't want to disclose who it was, so I'm going to use, you know, neutral uh, uh, verbiage to not disclose who we met with. But what really came from this, which shocked both Tracy and I, was the fact that the Hawaii Dental Services, we we asked her about how dentists are fighting uh, insurance plans, what they're doing to be profitable, and, um, <clears throat> she kind of does a little, con- I shouldn't say does a little consulting on the side. She used to don't want to get her in trouble, right? Mm. Oh, well. So, then, but you know, you got to wear a bunch of different hats out there and, and she helps out practices, uh, uh, helping them with the software, the software their company sells. And, um, what was really shocking was the fact we said, can doctors, are doctors offering choice are they upgrading, you know? Crowns. And her answer was no, you can't do that in Hawaii Dental Services, correct?
1: I was absolutely shocked. I thought she had no idea what she was talking about.
0: Yeah, which most don't have any idea what they're talking about. And so we said, that just can't be true. What where is the Hawaii Dental Association? Where 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 are the people that are supposed to represent the dentists out there? Because her Her statement was third parties are the number one issue. We're going to get into that with uh, an article written in Dentistry Today a couple of years ago. But it was like, uh, you know, where was the Hawaii Dental Association? And and what did she say?
1: She said, they're in bed with them.
0: With the Hawaii Dental Services. (laughs) The leadership of, of the Hawaii Dental Association. So then my next question was, where's the Hawaii State Insurance Commission on this? And she said...
1: They're in bed with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
0: gosh. So we uh, we opened up an investigation, and we began by calling the Hawaii, the Hawaii Dental Services. And, Trace, take it away with who you talked to and, and well, what the first part of the conversation was. And then what the second part of the conversation was left to us and then what happened thereafter? Crickets. Go for yep, it. Yep,
1: absolutely. So so that you all understand, Hawaii Dental S- uh, Services, they are basically Delta Dental, and they have about 80% of the market. So when we initially called and talked to the Tier 1 rep, her response was, well, that sounds good. Um, that shouldn't be a problem. How are you billing? And we explained the whole situation on how we we offer choice to patients and charge fairly for those better materials. And she said, that sounds great, but let me double check with my supervisor just to make sure that we aren't giving you the wrong information. So about, I want to say about three hours later, we received another phone call and her tune had changed uh, completely. It was, it was crazy to suddenly have somebody who was very open and it made perfect sense to suddenly say, yeah, no, we, we pay you for a baseline crown and it should be acceptable. And therefore, you should be giving a baseline crown, which is acceptable.
0: <laughs> Coming between the doctor-patient relationship, uh, citizens of the state of Hawaii, the only way you can have a better product in your mouth is if the dentist chooses to do it, on his or her dime, because that's where uh, your free dentistry is coming from. Otherwise, according to the Hawaii Dental Services, you a, a average baseline product procedure is good enough for you. You don't deserve better. You don't deserve choice. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: That's exactly <laughs> what they said. And you know what? That's <laughs> unacceptable. Absolutely. So the next step is was actually to reach out and say, where in the contract does it state? that we need to do this, show me the policy, and that we have plenty of responses for them. Unfortunately, that (laughs) phone call was made last Monday, and we are waiting for a response.
0: Still haven't gotten a phone call back. Oh, we'll get one. Oh, yeah, believe us. We're not going to let our colleagues out there in Hawaii uh, fall on their faces. We are used to dealing with our good friends at Delta, and we know the laws. We know their contract, inside and out. And enough's enough, people. You can't do free dentistry. You shouldn't have to do free dentistry. So
1: so if you are an office in Hawaii and you want to fight back on this, reach out to us in My Practice, My Business. We have a couple of steps that we're going to be taking to help fight for you.
0: Unbelievable. I, I was like...
1: <laughs> this is crazy. I,
0: I didn't even know what to, I, I didn't even know what to say. I. It, it was like something we've, we faced this same situation with a, with a Delta Dental in the Midwest mm-hmm. and kind of elaborate on how we handled that and how we're winning <laughs> the battle there.
1: Sorry, we're, we're sick minded people. We like to write these really interesting emails back and, uh, we ultimately, had a client that was told by Delta Dental that they could not offer choice. And so we fired back. We have a series of questions that we respond back from a legal perspective and how it's very unethical for a dentist who does not have Delta Dental to offer choice to their competitors, but yet Delta is discriminating directly against their own clients. So uh, we did respond with several emails asking to follow up on this and just like Hawaii dental service, there was there were crickets for quite some time, and we just got an email back. It looks like they are folding, and so this is a great win for us
0: yeah, it's a yeah please understand again, they cannot come between the doctor patient relationship that just can't happen so a lot of things have been culminating uh we came across an article actually we we had we had a little bit of conversation uh, going back and forth on email with one of the the major thought leaders here in the state of Utah. We've got several and uh, we we kind of wanted to we, we wanted a little mentorship. We wanted to get uh, this individual's opinion on on uh, a comment that was made uh, many years ago uh, in a Utah Dental Association convention where and I can just say it. He he said that you know maybe one day a young individual will get uh the fortitude behind him him or her and and start a new association we were shocked it's like you can't say that you're speaking here at the UD the UDA convention that is uh the mothership the ADA and I I didn't understand quite what he was saying there and then uh as years went on, boy, I did start to understand exactly what he meant, exactly what he was saying. And so we wanted to give him a call and we chatted a little bit back and forth uh, via email. And it was, uh, it just came down to Rob Tracy, keep fighting the fight. It's so good to see somebody else, other than a, a handful of us, speaking up for what is right, what's true. So, I came across this article in Dentistry today, one, one of my favorite publications. Um, it was uh, six July twenty eighteen and it talked about the future of the aDA and it said it talked about the the, the priority one topics uh, there's nine of them and I'm going to count them down from nine number nine was need for more practical dental research number eight was lack of of the ADA accredited laboratory schools. Seven was offshore dental laboratories. These are all problems, major. We all know that. Six was mid-level practitioners. Five was growth of corporate dentistry. By the way, it's a personal pet peeve of mine. Um, one of our clients up in Washington, I was blown away when when she said that when she was in school they were told to uh, that they just needed to join a DSO Grateful for her and and a and a, a her her dad that was <laughs> a great mentor to her and she started her practice on her own sure, she went and worked uh, part time until she got her practice going uh, still works uh, uh, a little bit for a for a corporate entity, but her practice is uh, booming and doing well, and uh, yeah the growth of corporate dentistry is is getting ridiculous and in the state of Utah, I don't care. I'm going to, you know, I'll just call it out. Corporate dentistry, when you're a, a dentist and you're working for somebody else and you don't have ownership, it's very difficult to want to put your best quality forward. It just is. And that's not me talking. That's the dentists that work for corporate entities. That's their statement, not mine. I get it. I understand it. When you have ownership of something or you own your own practice, it's a lot better. And so all of these, uh, they they sit there and talk about how corporate dentistry is going to take over. You know, I hope it doesn't. I don't think it will. Utah is over 70% solo practice. Uh, We are number one in the United States for solo practitioners. There's a lot to be said about having your own practice and being able to do things as a business owner that you can't do when you work for somebody else. So I hope that just isn't the case. Now, number four is overproduction of dentists and hygienists. Uh, we're starting to see that again across the nation. Number three is high dental student tuition. We should just say high d- debt for dentists graduating. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, two is proprietary dental schools growing. And then the, the, the uh, number one is third party dental insurances. When I when I saw this trace, I'm like, and just to, just to capture a couple of these, uh, Dr. Mike Barr, it, it says here, uh, formerly very active in Florida, organized dentistry, publicly discontinued his membership in the ADA for a variety of reasons. He felt the ADA was too closely aligned with interests outside of general dentists, including the insurance industry, corporate dentistry, and dental specialists. What can you say about the the ADA? Uh, coding board. Who's it made up of?
1: So this is a part of our ongoing investigation. I want you all to know that we, we are in the background working and investigating everything that we say and do. We want to make sure that we present you with truth. But... If you dig a little deep into the actual voting member board for the American Dental Association, you will find Delta Dental there. And it's very interesting. Why is it that Delta Dental is so insistent that amalgams are great to downgrade on? Um, why is that not removed? I know that there is there are questions um, and actually state positions that different dentists have in regards to placing amalgams. But but the interesting thing is, is even... Looking at some of these procedures that are no longer done regularly, the fact that the ADA will not remove those services, there's a reason behind it. Um, And like I said, I'm being a little bit vague with this.
0: No, go ahead and just launch it. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the board is made up predominantly of oral surgeons, am I correct? That's correct. And also has a voting member from Delta Dental on it. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: We tried to push to see if other insurance companies had voting members on it, and then they quickly clamped up. Is that correct?
1: That is correct as well.
0: See how I just like... Uh, yeah, okay. Mr. Investor. Maybe I've been watching Trey Gowdy too much on, <laughs> on his... Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Well, and or, if you <laughs> look at it, look at the CDT codebook. Who, who, does, who do these codes really benefit? If you look at limited exams in general, who else besides general practitioners do limited exams, or oral surgeons? And so when you're told specifically to report diagnostic procedures separately, they're, they're forcing the insurance companies to unbundle when it comes to something that's in their best interest. And that's very interesting to me. When you start reading into these CDT codes, why are they there? Why, why is there certain verbiage? that maybe would affect a certain group versus others. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot that we could really delve into.
0: Here's, an, here's another one. Dr. Cynthia Pauley, uh, currently this back in 2018, currently served as president of the Washington State Dental Association. I don't know if she still does. I don't think so, obviously. In steep contrast, she says, in steep contrast with some other elements in, organize, in organization dentistry, her state's association has directly engaged in, in state legislation to protect and preserve the doctor-patient relationship from the interferences of corporate health care. She goes on to say that uh, uh, the ADA House of Delegates is too large. The organization has many committees with too many members. There is also too much duplication between the services provided by the ADA state dental associations, and local dental societies. Most dues-paying members do not understand how all of their ADA dues dollars are spent and several of the benefits provided by the ADA cost extra. That was uh, one of her concerns. And uh, then, of course, we got our good friend, Dr. Gordon Christensen, and he listed a bunch of what does the ADA do well. Of course he would. He's going to point out, you know, the good and the ugly, and he says, "What aspects need improvement?" And uh, um, he said, "You could take the red list, the list that I just read to you previously, and it well represents the feelings of the profession. Of the profession, as I said, little or nothing has been done on those challenges in the seven plus years since my original survey." And uh, yeah, make no mistake about it; he's no fan. And then Dr. Jonas Finley. Uh, who you know I like him but I have some history with this guy indirectly not one of my favorites but I respect him uh he's uh he practices dentistry in Texas he's the past president of the Texas Dental Association and the ADA and uh he he made uh, comments also um uh he he concluded with how he sees the ADA's future he says we must recognize the tenets upon which the association was founded be relevant in, to the daily practice uh, life of members and promote the well-being of those for whom we care whom we care and the demands of the future are met the ADA can do that but he's talking about how they're not doing it in the article that that he wrote his concerns and then the same with Dr Joseph uh Crowley, hope I pronounced that name right, and he served in organized dentistry for decades and practices in Cincinnati, Ohio. He is the current president of the ADA at the time, and he he has his concerns, too, with where the ADA is headed, what it's doing. Um, I think the bottom line is, is this. In the last several ADA emails that I've gotten from the morning huddle, which I thoroughly enjoy, I think that's great. Uh, I'd almost pay my ADA do's based on the ADA huddle (laughs) because there's a lot of good things that the American Dental Association does do, but there's a lot of things that, that let's just face it, they are not doing. And the things that they promote, the things that they, that they promote, the things that they advertise that they do, what does that do for dentistry? I mean, what, meaning what does that do for us directly? It, in these articles, it says that one of them said that the ADA is more interested in, in specialists, in, in, uh, in uh, corporate dentistry, and things of that nature than they are the solo practitioner. And nothing could be further from the truth. They're you know By their words, you shall know them. And, and exactly by their actions. Actions speak volumes on, on what the ADA is doing. So in the last year, they had, we've seen that this uh, new council on third-party payers or whatever they want to call it, I can't remember, and forgive me for not being exact on it, but they have made some statements. They have they have done things that have helped out dentistry as a whole, but they're not addressing the hardcore problems that you and I face each and every day. And nothing has been more... N- nothing is, has has, uh, validated that statement than right here in our own state of Utah. So I'm, I'm going to go into not to bash the UDA, but Trace, I'm going to ask you this question. We were, we were the ones responsible primarily. And I will say that in front of every officer of the of the UDA, Tracy and I with MPMB, we were the ones that got HB 359 through. That's, without question. But here's the here's the thing. It's like downcoding, bundling, non-billable, non-payable, uh, EOB language. We, that's what we brought into this bill. And the ADA brought three topics. One was uh, minimum loss ratio, which got completely slammed down, which I see in other states trying to Uh, control that if premiums, whatever premiums are paid out, 80% has to go to patient care. But that goes against every, that type of law, that type of writing is socialism through and through. This is what Hawaii's facing. Hawaii's facing a socialistic agenda in dentistry of astronomical proportions. And that's exactly where uh, these federal plans are trying to take us which we'll go into here in a second let's not forget because Tracy and I are just winging this today there's no <laughs> there's, there's there's no teleprompter in front of us today there's no uh, computer screen uh, this is just our experience over the last few weeks of what we've seen but um, what so what was the the UDA added the
1: well there was a network leasing network which leasing. was was copied from another state. And the third one
0: I can't even remember. I what, can't remember the I third, can't remember one. third one. I'd have to look back through my notes. But here's the thing the, the network leasing, yeah, it's just copied from another state, which that's what we need to do. Yeah. I'm not gonna absolutely. I'm not saying the UDA is wrong for doing that. You know, I'm grateful for them for doing that. But here's a million dollar question. If Tracy and I were not out there on downcoding, bundling and and addressing these uh, things, by the way, we're working on another one here for next year that's gonna help out some of the specialists not that they need help but there is this group of specialists that do need help Uh, more on that to follow um but it's uh, a it's like these are things that if we hadn't been there what would have been done if we if you and i had not engaged in that where would we be
1: well i'm going to tell you right now nowhere i don't think the network leasing would have happened um i definitely know that the downgrading and bundling Um, and non-billable that we work so hard on would not have even been approached because we were told directly that it wasn't going to pass. And we said, yeah, right. (laughs) Watch us. You haven't Um, dealt with Robin Tracy. Exactly. Watch (laughs) us. But, but I think that that's, what's going to need to happen throughout state lines. We need to make sure that we are the ones that are standing up um, in the dental field saying enough is enough. And we need to make these connections with these um, lawmakers. We need to Uh, Reach out to each other for support, because if we can't stand up together and say, stop it, then we're just going to expect this to get worse and worse. And I'm seeing it right now, even with PPE, Washington State.
0: Well, Washington State. Didn't Delta Dental come out now, and, and they're going to give a big whopping?
1: No, and that's the... Wait,
0: who is, what insurance company was it, though, that we just saw that's going to start paying $4.57? This, this is where it
1: gets crazy. Whatever it is. So, so Governor Inslee just passed uh, SB uh, 5169, which states that the healthcare. Insurance companies are required to pay a minimum of, I want to say, around $6 for it was, PPE. I
0: thought it was under $6. I swear it was like, <laughs> like 5 It was $4. And I want to say it was
1: in the $6 range. Eh, I'm going um, be- I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna to bet you that I don't have to clean the kitchen for a week if I win.
1: Okay, deal. Done. <laughs> so I don't have to do dishes. This it's, is actually, I got <laughs> bombarded on... Uh, the 23rd on Friday by a couple of our clients up in Washington state saying, can you believe this? And sure enough, it is Delta Dental's uh, email that they released saying, uh, on April 16th. Governor Inslee signed legislation requiring only health benefit plans to reimburse health care providers for PPE. Delta Dental of Washington as a carrier that offers dental only benefit plans is not considered a health benefit plan and is therefore not subject to the law. Oh my gosh.
0: You didn't share that. Okay. Look, I, we need counseling. You <laughs> never not, talked to you. <laughs> you never talked to me. I just
1: got it on Friday. Did you just get that? Uh-huh. Oh
0: my gosh. We're, we see, I just want all of you to know that, that we divide and conquer. I I get assigned tasks by my wife and she assigns tasks to everybody else and herself. And then we meet like Every other week, <laughs>
1: <laughs> pretty much. So,
0: so it, it's kind of funny. Um, so Delta Dental shut it down already.
1: Oh, they absolutely are. And 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 where <laughs> is the pushback? Where is the no? This is this is unacceptable. And I think that once we start reaching out to these legislators and even the insurance commissioner and the all those that that have. An interest in in these voting uh, laws, we need to make sure that they're aware that this is going on because this this is unacceptable.
0: So here's here's somebody in the state of Washington whose pa- who, laws passed, and they get to charge a nominal fee of enough money to cover gloves and masks a little bit. Not your not all the stuff you've had to do for the pandemic, but at least gloves and masks, and. <laughs> And they don't wait. Don't put that down because I want to. I want you to pull up that other one on cost savings on, on, on how that one report on. Uh, oh yes, yeah. Don't forget that one because you <laughs> all got to hear this. You've got to hear this. It's going to crack you up. But, but Tracy's right. If we don't start pushing back, by the way, all of you out there that are not in the state of Utah that listen to our podcast, please just call us. Ask for a copy of that of of that law because we nailed multiple topics with our law here in the state of Utah that will go into effect on May 5th. And it's like all these other states we saw. Okay, here's what's funny. This is what I wanted to point out. All the other states we were following who had similar laws, they were all being propagated by, by their associations, most of them. One of them actually had a physician standing up for the dentists in their state. Which, which is, you know, it's just sad. it was sad, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of like us, so to speak, because the associations are dragging their feet when it comes to this stuff. Why? Because they're in bed with the insurance companies, just like all those thought leaders that I r- read to you. Oh, they're not they're not coming out and saying it. We'll come out and say it, but they're trying to be politically correct. We don't have to be politically correct. You know, we're not I, I'm not running for office. I really don't care. I'm just going to call truth truth. We'll let the the chips fall wherever they're going to fall. But truth is truth. So, if you have in your state, if you want to take what we did and get a, uh, a representative in your state behind it, see if you, you know, I'm going to say try with your association. And if you don't see a move in four weeks, just assume that they're not going to move. The mothership has told them to back off. Run with it yourself. Get a handful of you, hire a lobbyist, find a dental-loving representative, and just copy the law and push, push, push. Keep plussing that law, as Disney would call it.
1: And reach out to us. We're happy to help out. That's the servant leadership that we have. We want to make sure that we're all fighting together to do this because I don't want to see these dentists suffer in their teams as well.
0: And then we'll just keep, uh, you know, letting the ADA know what we're doing. And they, they continue to see it, and then they... You know, they'll try to take credit for it. I don't care. Let them try. Let them, <laughs> let them take the credit. The most important thing is that you and I are protected. That's the most important thing. The most important thing is you and I get paid fairly for the services that we provide. That's the most important thing. Now, here's the, you guys all know that we teach profitability on procedures within the confines of the insurance rules and regs and state laws. And state laws will always trump... Contractual laws from insurances, except on federal plans. Correct. By the way, we (laughs) have another meeting with our state representative out in uh, Washington D.C., Burgess Owens. We have a meeting with his team uh, this week. They are they're pushing it. We got other uh, angles that we're trying to hit this on, and it's simple, simple. It just needs to be this simple: that state law supersedes federal law when it comes to dental rules and regulations where the patient was treated the state within with the state with the patient was treated in.
1: Okay, I'm going interpret to interpret that for everybody. <laughs> self-funded plans. So the plans that are run under Costco, Walmart, the ones where the employees actually pay towards a nut fund, and then Delta or another insurance company will reach out and disperse that money, that's called a self-funded plan, and they are exempt from state law. And unfortunately, I call it a cancer. It's getting bigger and bigger because these insurance companies are finding ways around the law, and there's no oversight. The ESBA is supposed to be their oversight committee, similar to your insurance commissioner. Unfortunately, there's nothing that can be done. So if we can pass something where self-funded ERISA plans are held to the state's laws of where the patient was treated, that's a huge win for all of us throughout the nation.
0: That's our fight. That's what we're That's what we're working with, uh, representative Owens. He's taken a lot of heat back there, uh, because he speaks his truth (laughs) and we love him. So, uh, here's, here's what's funny though. We teach you guys how to be profitable on as many procedures as you possibly can be. And then there are other consultants and thought leaders Mm -hmm. out there that come up with this stuff. Take it away, Trace.
1: All right. So, uh, what do you guys do if you realize that your overheads out of control? What are some of the things that you do in your practice what in order t- to save money? To
0: find overhead out of control, does that mean there's no money in the checking the account at the end of the month? Or?
1: I interpret that as more money is going out than is coming in.
0: And I would say that that's uh, you're working your guts out, and you don't understand your direct operating costs per hour. And you, just because you're busy does not mean you're profitable.
1: Well, and chances are team members are writing off things unnecessarily due to misleading EOBs, due to feeling bad for the patient, due to not understanding the cost of goods involved. There are a lot of things that we actually train on in regards to this. But, you know, you find yourself in that situation. What do you do? And here's some, some of the, the recommendations that we received <laughs> with this one. Uh, yeah, obviously, there's cleaning cleaning companies you need to to cut back on your cleaning
0: so just have your staff clean yeah, the make office your staff do now it. we do that yeah we we've gotten rid of the cleaners because they don't clean to the level of cleanliness that i want
1: yeah rob's a little ocd with that one
0: Whatever. um
1: here's one my salary for the last 19 years running that's a dentist
0: my salary my what? salary
1: that gets cut that gets cut yep that the gets dentist cut
0: dentist salary actually gets cut oh
1: here's another one this is most com- this is common staff staff gets cut
0: Yeah, staff needs to be cut, cut their payroll, make them happy.
1: Oh boy, we need to shop the different dental suppliers, beat them up to take off what, 1%, 2%? (laughs) At
0: the the most.
1: Yeah, and what type of products are you placing in that patient's mouth as a result? That's my question. Uh, Um, It's
0: a race to the bottom. mm -hmm. You know, you're either doing, you're using the best products and you're paying for it, Doc, or you're using the least expensive products and everybody's paying for it in one way or another.
1: Here's another, advertising and supplies and time. Time I thought was really interesting. How are you cutting your time?
0: Well, you got to send the hygienist home if there's not a patient.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, without so, a doubt.
0: So if they if there's a patient not there for an hour, then you make them clock out and drive home. Then you make them drive back. What if they live like 20, 30 minutes away?
1: Yeah, that's completely unfair we to your see staff. It,
0: yeah, it's unfair. We see that all the time, though. <laughs>
1: So, you know, ultimately, the the most common thing that we see is reducing overhead by cutting back on supplies, cutting back on staff,
0: lab costs, Mm -hmm. send it offshore
1: and take a pay cut doctor out of your pocket. But
0: the number one thing, the number one thing was the doc taking a pay cut. That was number one. The number one way to reduce overhead. (laughs) My gosh, this is actually being taught out there. Unbelievable. If you're a dentist that believes that, you must be the the editor of Dental Economics. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. That guy w- writes one more article on uh, the fact that we need to be doing uh, more free dentistry. and we, need, <laughs> we <laughs> I don't know how that guy became the editor. I really don't. <laughs> anyway, that should be another topic another day. Well, we want you guys to know that... Uh, this is the stuff going on that we deal with all the time and we want you to be cognizant of it because if you sit in your dental caves and bury your head in the sand, whether you're working for a DSO, whether you're working for a small corporation uh, of multiple practices or whether you're on your own, all these things affect you. They absolutely affect you one way or the other. It doesn't matter uh, you know, where you're at in the, in the stage of your dental career. It's only going to get worse if we don't push back and fight for our rights and fight for the ability to be paid fairly. We're not talking about, you know, taking advantage of our patients. We just don't do that. We should never do that, but we should be paid fairly for the services that we provide. And we have... I'm going to throw a little teaser out there. Our office manager training is coming back with a fury. We've had too many requests. Usually we... We run the entire practice uh, through our training. There's a reason for that. Everybody needs to get on board. But because of so many issues with billing and because we've seen so, we've, we, we have, I should say, Tracy, uh, entertains so many phone calls from office managers asking questions that should, I don't know, it's like they should know it, but how can they know it unless they've gone through training? You've all listened to at least I hope you have the Dichotomy of Dentistry podcast that I put out years ago. Everybody's trained in the office with the office manager. Well, enough's enough. We need to give those office managers business training. We need to give them the tools that they need to increase case acceptance to fight against insurances. We need to give them the tools that they need to know what to submit. We need to teach them how to negotiate fees. You don't need docs. You don't need to be paying thousands of dollars to entities. To renegotiate your fees every two years. It is one of the, even I can do it. It's that easy. Okay. And, and then the uh, fee negotiation and what's the other one?
1: Oh, credentialing.
0: Credentialing is simple. Uh, my dental assistants do the credentialing in our office for heaven's sakes. It's not that hard.
1: Absolutely. And when when office managers understand the concept of direct operating costs per hour, when they understand costs of goods involved, and they can understand why we set the fees the way that we do and why we bill the way that we do, they're more likely to stand firm when it comes to charging fairly for what they do, not writing off services that they should not be writing off, and giving those patients that education in regards to anatomy and procedures as well. I'm actually shocked at how many front office team members have not had the the education on anatomy. How do you present treatment if you don't know what the treatment is? So all that is all-encompassing, and we're just super happy seeing the results, seeing the return on investment with these office managers. And, and it's a feeling of empowerment where these office managers finally feel that they can't, they don't need to rely on the title. They rely on the training and the experience that we give them, and I love it.
0: They have a commensurate achievement to accomplish the tasks that they're assigned to accomplish by us dentists who put them in impossible positions to do their jobs. And we say, just figure it out, go learn it. Well, no, they don't need to do that. They've got, they've got a company behind them. uh, And we're going to, we're going to be able to uh, give uh, half of the clinical business of dentistry training to these office managers, the stuff that's easy to implement, um, uh, Procedures that they're not charging for that get overlooked, procedures that they can charge for. But we're given about half of our, half of that training. And then if the office wants to come back for the additional training, then it adds up to the total fee. But we're going to start taking care of these office managers. They need to be taken care of and be looking for our, <laughs> our uh, launch. Uh, we're relaunching the office manager training uh, in uh, October. And it's going to be somewhere where they can enjoy themselves and learn at the same time. So be looking for that on our website. And we're excited to uh, start taking care of them and uh, offices that have been through our training. Uh, You'll be able to go to that training and, and be completely refreshed both in knowledge and in spirit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All I can say is of of our our limited number of people who can attend, we're probably about a quarter of the way filled already Already. with people who have an idea of what's going to happen in October. I'm super excited about it. Our
0: our office manager training is the same fee, whether we're training here in Salt Lake or somewhere like, I don't know, Kona, Hawaii. Yeah,
1: Kona. Yeah,
0: they just have to buy a plane ticket. So... (laughs) That's right. Office managers. Be looking for it. It's coming. And uh, do you have anything else to add, Trace, that's on our on our hot items list right now?
1: Um, We do have something in the works right now in regards to general anesthesia in our state. So we'll be working on that. We'll give you guys a heads up on it as it progresses.
0: Yeah, that's uh, been shot down by what insurance company is shooting that down or who's shooting that down?
1: Most insurance companies are shooting that down. Unfortunately, Utah state law, um, it is not a requirement for pediatric children to have general anesthesia covered or those with disabilities.
0: And why do I, why do we refer children to the pediatric? Because they need to be knocked out. Exactly.
1: exactly. We can't deal
0: with them. So, we know, 40, you know, 40 some odd kids. states
1: have this law, but for some reason there are a few that don't. And that's something that is definitely a priority. We've already gotten a couple insurance companies that have said, really? This isn't this isn't covered. Oh, this is wrong. So to get the insurance companies to admit there's a problem
0: and get them behind us and
1: get them behind us, and that's a, very important to us. So we and all those who listen understand that we have frustrations with these insurance companies. But we have to understand that they're from a they're a business just like we are, and they have to approach things as from a from a business perspective. So uh, if we can work nicely with them and figure out a good a good balance, I'm happy.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening today. We uh, look forward to uh, being with you next time. And aloha.
1: Thank you for being with us today. To learn more about our guaranteed, no-risk, clinical business of dentistry training that is changing dental practices for the better, just go to our website, mypracticemybusiness.com, and surf our pages for additional information about our company. When you're ready, give us a call and get scheduled for the best training you'll ever experience. Those are the words of our clients, not us. Our mission statement is simple. We increase the net revenue of dental practices with our key methods, tools, and training utilizing everyday need-based dentistry. We believe that there's never been a more important time than now for dentists to know what we know. And that is, one, how to compete with Retail America. Two, how to be profitable with dental procedures, especially those performed on patients with dental insurance plans. Three, how to place oral health care at the forefront of patients' discretionary spending. And four, how to ethically, legally, and morally be paid fairly for the services you provide. All of us here at My Practice, My Business know exactly how to help you implement each of those talking points and more with our key methods, knowledge, and training. Our clients' testimonies say it all. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon at the My Practice, My Business training facility located in the Salt Lake City, Utah area. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us. Thank you again, and have a fantastic day.